As we're coming up on the High Holy Days, I am actually going to do two messages in a row, and they're going to refer to one another. So this week what I'm going to talk about is as we're getting ready to close out the year, what you should be doing and what you should be thinking about and all of the things that you should have in mind. And then next week what I'm going to talk about is the instructions that Yeshua left us about what we're supposed to do while he's gone. So the sequence is get ready, close the year out, be ready for a new beginning, and then next year step off and be about what Yeshua told us to do. So that's the sequence of what's going to happen. You've all been through this a number of times. Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah is going to be whenever God says it's going to be. And this is genealogy. I personally believe that Yeshua is going to come back on a Rosh Hashanah, a Yom Teruah, because it says at the last trumpet he touches down. I don't know what year it's going to be. I don't even know if I'm right. But that's my opinion. At the moment, I'm sticking to it. Unless he does something else, and then I'll change on a dime. I will. So trumpets announces the coming of the king. And if I'm correct, that's when the king returns. And then 10 days later at Yom Kippur, we have a come to Jesus meeting, which is where God, Yeshua, gets the whole world together and tells them this is how it's going to be. And we do the rod of iron bit for a thousand years. That starts on Yom Kippur. And then Sukkot is when we tabernacle with the king. So that's sort of the sequence of the holy days. And again, you've all been through this. Shouldn't be anything new to you. The rabbinic perspective on this, and it is rabbinic, but there's wisdom there, so I'm going to go through it for you simply because it, it is wise. They look at this time as a time to take stock of what you've done this past year, look back over what you hope to accomplish, and do a tally of how much of you did accomplish, where you fell short, where you did well, just sort of a review of the year. And you should also plan what you would like to do for the next year. And one of the metaphors that I think it's uh, Schneerson uses, which I like very much, and I've used this story before, I used to be in the Army, and one of the things that the Army does is they stumble around a lot at night. We walk around at night through the woods all the time. It's sort of part of the deal. And when I was in ranger school, what they'd do is they'd sew these little tabs on the back of your hat, you know, the day glow tabs that would absorb light and then give back the light during the dark. So you'd be walking along and you'd see these two little tabs in front of you. As long as the two little tabs were in front of you, at least know that you were all getting lost in a group. You know, it's important. If you're going to be lost, you want company. And occasionally you'd go along and those two things would disappear. And usually that would be accompanied by a scream as somebody stepped into a hole or went down a ravine or something like that. But the point is, is you're walking through the woods at night and you're sort of hoping that the guy in front of you knows where he's going. It's really nice periodically to get a flash of lightning so you can actually see where you are. And the rabbis describe this period as the flash of lightning that you can see where you are and get your orientation back and get your bearings back. And if you're off course, adjust your course. And if you're doing okay, keep going that way. But it sort of gives you perspective. 
I like that metaphor. I've used it lots of times before, and those of you who have been here for a while have heard it. The other thing that Yom Teruah does is our lives are dominated by cyclical time. We go through the week, and every week we come here to Shabbat, which is a great blessing. So you're sort of focused on the cycle of the week. Then you get focused on the cycle of the year, the feasts and so forth. And you go through this every year. As I say, those of you who have been here for a while have heard variations on what I'm talking about a number of times, and that, that's good. So we go through this cyclical time, and we can sort of get focused on the cycles. And getting focused on the cycles is okay. I'm not, not suggesting there's anything wrong with that. But what Yom Teruah does is it gives us a sight of the idea that there's also historical time, linear time. Things are moving in a direction. All of these cycles are leading up to something. And, and the metaphor I would use is it's like a screw. You know, the screw goes round and round and round and round. And if you're riding on one of the threads of the screw, you sort of get the idea that you're going round and round. And we just came by here again. But the point of a screw is it is advancing as it turns. So that would be what I would call linear or historical time. So as we go through the cycles every week, every year, and so forth, watch for the new moon every month and all those kinds of things cyclically, it's important to understand that the cycles are leading to something. And of course, that's what Scripture tells us, is that at some point, Yeshua is going to return and things are going to get different. So as time is progressing and things are progressing to a point, so should you be. Each of us is given a certain allotted time on this earth, and there are things that you should accomplish, but also you should go through your life progressing. And there's stuff that you should be doing as you go through the various stages of your life while you're focusing on the cycles, keeping in mind that there is a goal to the whole process. There's a goal to history. There's a goal to your life. Everything has a goal to it that you should be focused on and not get lost in the cycles, even though the cycles are very important. And I'm not down-talking the cycles. I'm simply saying two ways of looking at time. The time between Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur are known as the Days of Awe. And in the way the rabbis look at this, and again, it's a very useful way to look at things. It's not scriptural, but it's useful. It's sort of like you have a meeting with the board of directors, and the board of directors is looking over what you did during the last year, and they're basically deciding what are they going to invest in you for the coming year? What kind of resources are you going to be given? What about your plan? Are you planning to do stuff during the coming year that is useful to the board of directors, if you will? In other words, are you planning the stuff that God would have you do next year? And that, by the way, is what I'm going to be talking about next week. When you were going before the board of directors of a company or so forth, you would do some preparation. You typically wouldn't sort of waltz in there and wing it. So the idea of this time that we're in now is this is your time of preparation. You should be thinking about what kind of a pitch you're going to make, if you will. You should be thinking about what it is you accomplished, what it is you'd like to accomplish in the future. I will suggest that nobody here is a reprobate, so 
you don't want to approach that fearfully. You don't want to be afraid as you approach that period of time. You want to be confident. And you want to be able to say, this is what I did for your kingdom. This is what I hope to do next time. And you ought to approach it as an annual review, if you will, and again in a business sense. And you shouldn't be afraid, but you should take it seriously. When the king reviews his subjects, and and I'm looking at the days of awe as the king looking over his kingdom. And as a leader, a king, a commander, a ruler, whatever you want to do, you've got two perspectives. Perspective number one is how is the kingdom overall doing? Are things generally healthy? Are things going well? What's the overall health of the organization? You've got a second perspective. What's the overall health of the individual? And as he's dealing with each individual, he's got a different perspective than when he's dealing with the organization. So the individual in the king's perspective is, where do you fit in my organization? Where do you fit in my kingdom? What do I want you to be doing for my kingdom? So that's the perspective from the group perspective or the organization perspective that the king has. So looking at Ken here and say, all right, Ken, I expect you to be doing X, Y, or Z. I expect you to be an elder of the church and all that kind of stuff. How are you doing there? That's sort of perspective one because Ken has a role, if you will, in the organization. Perspective number two, as you look at Tom, you say, Tom, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How are things going? Those are two different perspectives. Both of them are valid and both of them are necessary. And don't get those two confused. God cares about you as an individual. He wants to know how your life is going. Are you prospering? Are you doing well? Are your personal relationships doing okay? Are you healthy? Those kinds of things. That's an individual focus. And the king has that focus on us. As opposed to an earthly king, you know, if you've got an earthly king, the Queen of Great Britain, for example, who's got several million people, she doesn't focus on that detail. She can't. God can. That's the difference between God and the Queen of England, is he can focus on each one of you and he can check and see how your health is as a member of his flock. He can also then check and say, all right, are you in the flock? In other words, is the flock moving in a direction that's good and are you part of that flock moving in that direction so those are both evaluations that the king would make each year as he looks over his kingdom so as you're going into this board meeting this time of review or whatever think about that from both of those perspectives am I doing what I think the king or the shepherd would want as my part of his flock Am I contributing my part to the flock, and am I helping the flock move along in a direction that's going to be pleasing to the shepherd? And then the other one is, how am I doing personally? Are there things that I want to talk to him about just on a personal level, not on, not on an organizational level? And you should be able to separate those two things and bring both of them before him because he cares about both of those things. Now, one thing to understand and I've said this lots of times and it's absolutely true, is God made you because he needed you or he wanted you. With God, it's kind of hard to get those verbs just exactly right. 
but you're here because he has a purpose for you. Furthermore, he did not create you perfect. I suspect he probably could have, but he chose not to. He created you with flaws and with things that you need to learn, places you need to develop, all those kinds of things. So the fact that you are not operating in perfection is not necessarily a sign of guilt, assuming that you are recognizing those and you're working on them. Again, one of the things I said is you should approach this review not in fear, but seriously. And one of the things that I firmly believe is that God has given you everything that you need to succeed. Warts and all. We all have our flaws. He has given you all of the tools and the resources that you need to become what he wants you to be. Because if he didn't, then he can't hold you responsible for failing. In other words, if you don't have what you need, then the fact that you fall on your face is not your fault. And what I'm suggesting is the fact that you fall on your face is your fault because he has given you everything you need. So pick yourself up and reorient yourself and keep moving. In fact, that's one of the pathologies of our society today is people said, it's not my fault, God made me that way. And then give up on trying to become something better. You see where that thinking leads? If you are of the opinion that things aren't your fault, then what you will do is continue to wallow in your dysfunction and you'll never improve. Accept responsibility for your successes, for your failures. Give thanks to him in both cases and understand that you've got the resources available to you to get where God wants you to go. All right, now, there's two things that are the keys to this time of the year. The first one is forgiveness. If you are going forward with bitterness and anger in your heart, you are not going to be able to get where you want to go because it will hold you back. Bitterness and unforgiveness are demon magnets. And if you're carrying bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, I will guarantee you that a demon will come along and help you out. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to examine yourself and figure out if there's anything in you that you are holding on to that is an anchor around your ankles. And as you're getting ready for this review during the days of awe, I'm suggesting that's one of the first things that you ought to do. And I'll tell you how to do it, by the way. Go through an inventory of people and think about that person and look at his face. And if your stomach goes, oh, you've got a problem. Everybody knows the feeling I'm talking about. You think about someone and your stomach just goes, eh. may not be a big one, but you know that there's still something there. Now, this is not going to be a long thing on forgiveness, but one of the things that I kind of like is there's sort of three ways you can look at it. The first one is if it's someone that you are with all the time and you need to get along with, you need to try and restore the relationship to innocence, which means that you need to go talk to them, you need to get it sorted out, and so forth. You need to exonerate that person in your mind. Make it as if the offense never happened. That's hard. Next level down is you sort of have to still deal with them, but they aren't part of your inner circle, and you need to get to the point where your soul doesn't go ping every time you think about them. And the 
relationship is never going to be restored to innocence. You're sort of always going to be wary around that person because you don't completely trust them, but you also aren't carrying bitterness in your soul. And then you have people that may have died. Brothers, sisters, parents, grandparents, people that you know that have died that you've got something against, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't go talk to them. And so what you need to do is you need to figure out how to release that so that it isn't a stone in your own heart. That's what you're getting rid of, is the stone that you're carrying around. You've got to get rid of that because that will hinder you from going to where you need to go. So as you're working through this time leading up to the High Holy Days, first thing you need to do is do an inventory and just bring people's faces before your spiritual eyes and just see what your reaction is when you look at that person. And you'll instantly know whether there's something that you need to get worked out. Now, once you've done that, the other part of that is repentance, teshuva. And that's where you've got to take responsibility for the stuff you did, and you've got to get that straight. And you can do repentance before God for things that you have done that are against Him. And that one is fairly straightforward because we've all done that lots of times. My repenter has really worked out well. I've got a well-polished repenter because I use it a lot. And that part is easy. The part that's harder is where you realize that you have wronged somebody else. And there what you need to do is you need to go to that person and you need to figure out how to make it right. This is not people who have offended you. This is people you have offended. And that's harder. And by the way, one of the things I like about cyclical time, being in a liturgical church, if you will, going through cycles, is there are seasons for this. So if you go to somebody in this church and you say, I think I have stepped on your toes at some point and I would like to apologize and I would like to ask your forgiveness. One of the nice things about this time of year is people are sort of expecting those conversations. And it is not the case that they'll look at you and say, Ooh, get away from me, I don't ever want to see you again. Because they recognize what you're doing. They recognize that you're trying to get your deck cleared so that you can go on to the next year and start. And you may not all like each other, but you all recognize that you're trying to do the things that God would have you do, and you should help each other out. So if someone comes to you and say, I think you may have something against me, I would like to get that cleared. Understand that there's probably somebody else that you need to do that for, so help them out. And this is the season to do that. So two things you need to do. One is get your own house in order, which means figure out who you need to forgive and get your spirit cleanse of the rocks that you're carrying around in your pockets. And then thing number two is figure out who you need to go to and get forgiveness from. And by the way, if you're going after forgiveness, make sure you get forgiveness. Don't put up with, oh, it's all right, don't think about it. That's not forgiveness. If you think someone needs to forgive you, nail them to the wall and say, do you forgive me? But you want real forgiveness. You don't want, no, oh, that's okay. So that's sort of part one. And that's by way of getting yourself in a position where your slate is clean and you're ready to step off into the next year without any baggage. That's your goal, as I say, for the next two weeks. 
is to get everything cleaned up. And what we're going to talk about next week is what are the instructions that we were given by Yeshua while he was still alive on this earth. He's still alive, but he's not on the earth anymore. He's in heaven. What are the instructions that he left for us that we should be doing, and how do we go about doing that? What's your authority? What's your mission? What is it that you're expected to be doing? That's what we're going to talk about next week.